You're listening to Work Tape, episode 71. Welcome back to another edition of the Work Tape podcast. It's your boy, Money Mitchell. We got Isaac Reuben Grover, and we're going to be your hosts for this episode today. We have some news in the music space. So Paramore is back and touring, and they have recently dropped a couple of songs, most notably one that dropped a couple of days ago, Turn Off the News, which is definitely a return to form for Haley and Company. Definitely reminds me a lot of the earlier records, some of the stuff that they really kind of built their brand off of. But the thing that really particularly got me about this track was really a lot of the lyrics. It seems as if Haley Williams is doing more of a bit of a social commentary in regards to kind of the state of the world, as well as the music industry itself in terms of greediness or the tendency for corporations and or labels maybe to cash grab or whatnot. It kind of makes it pretty punk. I mean, if you really want to get into that. Definitely. And the video that accompanied it was also pretty striking in terms of just the utilization of the old school film cameras and televisions. And then Haley herself kind of changing her look and doing a lot, especially in regards to like her eyes and whatnot. Was that an Amy Winehouse reference with the hair? Maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, Amy Winehouse has inspired so many people and has influenced so many artists that it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility yeah. to think that maybe it's an homage or a, a nod to Amy. But it's hard for me to tell just from the viewings that I've had whether or not it was a deliberate homage, but it could be. But regardless, I think that this is kind of a, not even kind of, I think that this is a really good step in terms of a sonic direction for Paramore, getting back to kind of the basics in terms of what they really built their fan base off of and then pairing it with some lyrics that definitely have a lot of meaning and I think are very applicable in today's world. And I think it's just kind of a really nice combination of those two elements coming together, especially in regards to Paramore's releases up until this point, um, which kind of saw the band veer off in a different direction and territory that wasn't really exactly welcomed by a lot of the OG fans. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, I'm not OG fan, but a lot of other people seem to like it. Mm -hmm. So was it kind of a thing in regards to even something like maybe the weekend where they got started off of, you know, a particular sound and built a particular sound that a bunch of other people and artists copied and then got to the point where they veered off in more of a pop 80s influence direction. And then the 80s stuff was more welcomed with open arms by the general music consensus. Yeah. Meanwhile, the original fans are kind of a little salty about it. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, I was pretty salty. And you know, I mean, how many times have I talked about my my thing with throwbacks? I mean, it's just, I'm aggressive with it, but mm -hmm. I'm making it a point as an artist. Um, never said a good artist. <laughs> you be the judge. But I'm definitely a critic. 
And what I hear with things like After Laughter and, you know, things like what The Weeknd did and pretty much every other band that I've been very hypercritical of, more so particularly their 80s throwbacks. But I mean, I've heard, you know, like you actually kind of mentioned something about Tame Impala. Yeah. And I, you know, I never really gave a proper rebuttal to that. Yeah. My thing with Tame Impala, I'll say the negative with Tame Impala. I didn't really like the throwback aesthetic of him, to be honest. But I'll say the one thing that Tame Impala, you know, that Kevin is amazing at. He's amazing at catchiness and just amazing hooks. So yeah, that is his strength as an artist. And I recognize him for that. Mm-hmm. And so kind of on to Paramore and other artists or The Weeknd, you know, I mean, these people are catchy. I have really nothing against the catchiness of these artists because I think they do write really cool songs. Even the songs that I tell you that I'm not big on, there's always something about them that I can take away and appreciate. Now, when it comes to artists that I grew up listening to, like Paramore, you know, it becomes more personal mm-hmm. because I'm not really attached to The Weeknd, to be honest. So he's not, I'm not really that attached that it bothers me that much. I mean, he can do what he wants and that's fine. And I'm not hating on The Weeknd. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like I'm, but I'm not really. Oh, no. I'm just saying when it comes to The Weeknd and Bruno Mars, I acknowledge their amazing talent. But I don't like how like industry leading artists will like, because I know the whole industry is listening to them. I know they influence the entire industry. Yeah. So I kind of get angry with artists like them because I'm like, are you just trying to pull everyone back 30, 40 years? And again, that's personal preference because some people like the throwbacks and some people don't. And I'm one of those people who doesn't like them. And in my defense, I mean, being derivative or throwing back has actually been a big criticism that artists get. This has been around for a long time. And so I thought it was just me. And then I realized, oh, I'm not the only one who's felt like this. You know, there are other critics before me who often criticize artists who go down this road. But now taking it more toward the artists that I listen to, a lot more of the rock-focused bands like Paramore, even though pop is still all throughout, you know, rock writing. But with Paramore, the kind of diversion that they made was a little more frustrating because I knew what the band was capable of and their format was amazing. So the throwback issue I have with Paramore, it's not that I don't want a band to grow. I often feel that throwbacks tend to be regressive than progressive. That's just my opinion. And so that's why emotionally I respond with disdain and, you know, kind of shame them. I'm like, man, like I feel like it's wasted talent. And so, I mean, I'd like to get into the albums more in like the future episodes. Yeah. But just for the time right now, I think this is a great point. This is why, and the news is a great example. The news, just like you said, perfect return to form without being too derivative of their past. Mm -hmm. Oh, and let me just make it super clear why Paramore are successful. I honestly think that it's the Faro brothers and Haley Williams. And sure, I understand that Taylor York He's had a hand in writing catchy melodies on the guitar and maybe even the songwriting credits too. So I don't want to take him out of there because I know um, their bassist, Jeremy, has often been kind of ridiculed by a lot of people for not contributing much to the band. And I don't want to get into the drama too much, but I would say the other four, no offense, Jeremy, seem to have had the bigger work ethic with the band. Mm. And so you can hear the character of those four. I mean, you might hear Jeremy in like All We Know Is Falling or stuff like that. But um, I hear the characteristics strongly more in Haley and the Faro brothers. 
if you just take the first three albums. And so that's the character of Paramore. Yeah, Haley, technically it is the Haley Williams show. But for a musician like me who likes to play the instruments, I'm going to be inspired by the members of the band who play the instruments more than Haley. Haley is just a good songwriter, and I like her for that. But when it comes to the Faro brothers, they really gave that character to Paramore. Mm-hmm. And so Josh isn't there, but Zach is back. I love Josh, by the way. People don't like him, but I like him a lot. So Josh, if you're listening to this, I appreciate you. I love you a lot. Um, Zach, his drumming style, really, really, really cemented Paramore as a different band than a lot of the other bands at the same time. Right. Even more so than bands like Fall Out Boy or... Yeah, even Panic. Yeah, no, I think Zach's character and his drumming is a lot more unique to Paramore Sound than a lot of other bands that were contemporaries for them. And so Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, I think Zach's coming back to the band has really affected them. Now, again, (laughs) I have things to say about After Laughter, which I'll get into the future episodes. I kind of wanted to hear your commentary on Haley's contrast with other artists that she's kind of, you know, because she's done a whole solo route. Mm. But Zach's drumming in the news It's definitely a homage to Brand New Eyes. I definitely hear ignorance in there. He does a lot of, um, not drum rolls, but I don't even know the words. He always does that leading up to a chorus. And so I wouldn't say he's a busy drummer necessarily, but he's kind of a busy drummer. And you can hear it in the news. Now, this is why, if I had a criticism of that, is it kind of, again, plays on a television talking head sound or Joy Division. Or no, Gang of Four. It's a lot like Gang of Four which are all late 70s bands. So, you know, that's my criticism of that is that this is why it's cool. But for someone like me who's been listening to these bands for a while, yes, and I'm being a snob, but I'm not trying to be one. It's just when you listen to a lot of music from a certain era, the last thing you want to hear is your favorite artists just rip off of your favorite artists from 40 years ago. Does that make any sense? Yeah, of course. I completely concur with everything that you just said, especially the the drumming style being different than a lot of the bands at the time. You know, you mentioned Fallout Boy and Panic at the Disco, which... Patrick is the guy of the band. I mean, he's like a Haley Williams. I mean, it was his voice that people loved the band. Oh, yeah, Patrick's stuff, absolutely. Yep, and same thing with Brendan Urie as well. Yes! <laughs> now, I think the thing with... Um, I'm actually going to go off on this for a second because... Do it, do it. I think with these bands that you brought up, first of all, with them being you know, basically reaching the pinnacle of their mainstream success at the same time, being in the mid-2000s, being in the same alternative rock scene, because I would categorize these bands as alternative. Although, to be honest with you, I think Panic at the Disco and Fall Out Boy is a lot more resemblant of true pop punk than I think Paramore has really ever been in that respect. Okay. I mean, not to say that Paramore has not had... I think I know what you're talking about. Are you saying that they are a more proper evolution of pop punk to contemporaries like Green Day and... Um, Blink-182, yes. Green Day and Blink-182 more than Paramore would be? Would you feel like Paramore is more kind of a different sect of pop punk and kind of a diversion from the genre? Yes. I agree. And I think with Paramore, not to completely be disregarding to... Fall Out Boy or Panic songwriting, but I think Paramore songs always had a bit more substance to them too. Definitely, yes. You didn't really hear 
a misery business from somebody like Fallout Boy. No. Or Panic at the Disco. Those bands, by comparison, kind of kept things more light and more, I don't want to say fun, but kind of like just more light. Same for All American Rejects, too, which is kind of a precursor to bands like that. I mean, not, yeah, I'll actually, I would say yes. No, absolutely. All American Rejects can definitely be thrown in this conversation, too. Yeah. But I would say that one thing with Paramore actually is yes, while it is kind of the Haley Williams show, as you kind of describe, I think that Paramore actually, in comparison, especially to those other two bands um, being Fallout and Panic, is actually, I feel like Paramore still feels like somewhat of a cohesive unit. 100%. As opposed to Panic at the Disco, which is really just Brendan Urie at this point. So Paramore, out of all of those bands, except for maybe eh, All American Rejects, I actually love them, by the way. Go figure, right? But I'm going to hand this one to Paramore. Paramore is my favorite of the four we just mentioned. Or seven, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, Paramore is more as much as it was the Haley Williams show. And it's hard, you know, you got to, even Tyson Ritter doesn't touch Haley or Patrick or Brendan. So I'm going to just use the other three bands, you know, because those were often talked about. But Paramore out of those three, for sure, were more of a band than the other two. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm talking about style. I'm not talking about being devoid of drama. Right. You know, there's a lot of drama with these bands, but you're talking about cohesion and the way they play together. Yeah. Is so evident with Paramore. And that's why I like them as a band, because not only is their lead singer great, but the rest of the band had a character to them that made them special and stick out while still fitting within their genre. Right. Actually, the thing is, I can see a lot of similarities between Paramore and Coldplay in that respect, where, you know, a lot of people would make an argument that Coldplay especially in the last couple of years, has been really a Chris Martin vehicle, especially with albums like Ghost Stories, where pretty much the joke was, oh, it's Chris Martin with 808s. I liked those 808s, by the way. I did too. You know what? People really crapped on Ghost Stories a lot when it came out. but I love that album, dude. It's my guilty pleasure. I love that record. I think it holds up tremendously well. I mean, it's definitely a vibe. I thought it was great day one. Yeah. You know, I thought it was great day one. I think it's great now. So I'm one of those people that like it a lot. No, I did too. I stand behind that album and defend it as well, because I think that uh, with that one, it was such a modern evolution of something like Parachute. Yes! Same! It was more down-tempo, it was more chill. Mm -hmm. I thought the production on it was really solid. I mean, there were some people who were kind of a little critical of the production that it was you know, a little bit over the top, especially on tracks like Midnight. I remember people talking about Midnight and saying that it, it was like a bargain brand body figure, which is a little harsh. Oh, or Imogen Heap? Yeah. Ooh, what you say? <laughs> yeah, but but I felt like it was more Bonnie Veer even than yes. Imogen. Yes, you're right. I mean, Imogen did that one song, but I'm not really sure. I was just using the vocoder parallel, that's all. Yeah, but I think Justin with Bonnie Veer made the vocoder more part of his sound. Like, that's more of his trademark. That's fair. Fair point. But back to Paramore and Coldplay, while their front men, women, are incredibly talented, great songwriters, great musicians, both of those bands really do feel like units. And you do really sense the contributions of other members in the songwriting. 
as opposed to, like I said, Panic at the Disco, where for especially these last couple albums, um, including Viva Lost Vengeance that Panic at the Disco put out, which was kind of awful. I'm just going to be really outright about it. It's kind of a theater kit on steroids, basically, uh, in regards to Brennan Yuri with kind of his somewhat bombastic vocals. Like, I think he wants to be Freddie Mercury so badly. Yep. And that's kind of my determination of kind of a pathetic artist. I'm just being honest, is when they so badly have to imitate people perform. I mean, everyone often like says, oh, you look like Bob Marley. You know, when I had the shorter hair, like you look like Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. I take a lot from Nirvana. I don't take on to, you know, Kurt's drug use, but he is a, a huge <laughs> inspiration for me songwriting wise. But I don't want to be them, you know? I mean, I like them. I think, you know, I mean, there's certain things about them I don't like, and none of us are good or perfect, right? So I'm not saying that you should be looking up to someone in their entirety, you know, take the good and throw out most of the, you know, throw out the bad, because people are mostly not great people, okay? Everyone has dirt. Right. I mean, Haley is no exception. There's some things about her that I'm like, eh, uh, no, not, not a good thing to follow. But as an artist, man, like I look up to her like no one else. Yeah. And so... I feel like with someone like her, she's kind of doing her own. Actually, she has done her own thing. Even with the throwbacks, she was doing her own thing. And just a lot of people like you're talking about Brendan Urie, I find it pathetic. And the same goes for Brandon Flowers. That's why I grew to not like him because I thought he had a lot more. I mean, yeah, I could hear them riding off the coattails of their influences, but I thought there was a character to the killers. I think actually Brandon Flowers has had more of an identity crisis than someone like Haley. Sure. Oh, yeah. If we're going to talk about coming into their own sound, I mean, I like the Killers as a unit more anyway than Brandon alone, because when you took away the band, Brandon was kind of emulating his influences a lot more. When it comes to Haley, in fact, I swear you can tell a front woman or front man by their solo career. Oh, yeah, sure. Even if it's not a big one, what are they doing? And guess what Haley was doing? She... Yes, it was new wavy and it was, you know, but it had a fresh take. I don't know if you listened to her 2020 album, but she was doing something that was kind of different. And I was like, wow, like, you know, I thought that was really cool. You know, it made her feel like kind of an extension of Paramore, not not an extension, but like something different. Mm -hmm. And it felt like an evolution in music. It didn't feel like, I mean, I'm really complimenting her here. I thought she did a great job with that. And it didn't feel like, just another pathetic attempt at trying to be relevant by trying to just, you know, trying to mimic yeah. people that you look up to. I can't stand that, to be honest. That is probably one of my least favorite things about artistry because to me, yeah. not only is it unoriginal, but it's like, I feel like you're not really being you. Well, and, and as you mentioned with the whole throwback kind of discussion, it's regressive. It's not really like pushing the art form forward. Oftentimes, oftentimes, because... Look, I'm not an idiot. I mean, I am an idiot, but not for that reason, okay? I know that you're going to take stuff from the past. Yeah. I know that. I know that you can't just like out of thin air completely come up with a new genre. I'm not listening for that. No. I'm listening for the way that people use the ingredients of the past right. to come up with some cool future stuff. That's what I listen to. And guess what? It's not created equally. Every artist does it differently. Some artists do it better than others. Absolutely. So some artists do it better than others. I'm going to praise some artists while kind of being harsh on others where I'm like, no. Yeah. And Paramore kind of did that. Okay. But yeah, no, I, once again, I completely agree with you in the sense that there is 
a huge, huge emphasis, especially with these bands, especially more modern bands, but even bands of the past where, you know, you really can judge a front man or front woman really based off of kind of their solo endeavors and in terms of what they decided to do differently from the rest of the the unit. But I think that overall with these tracks, Paramore is really getting back to, I think, what kind of made them great in the first place. And, you know, of course, they're supporting it with a tour as well, which has gotten a lot of people extremely excited to see them back live and on tour. So I'm really, really hyped and excited to see where Paramore goes with, I I believe this is a new album that's coming out from them. Yeah. Okay. I think it is This Is Why, the actual album title. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm really excited just to see the rest of the album and what it brings. And if it's anything like these singles, I think it's going to be a real breath of fresh air, especially in the rock space, kind of really bringing, you know, good rock music back. Yes, 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 yes. Because, you know, a lot of people obviously talk about, you know, oh, rock music has fallen off. Rock music is dying. But I'm like, no, it's just kind of evolving and doing things differently. But this is kind of a good return to form and of course with the solo efforts that will bring us to the next episode which will be discussing more of the solo efforts of Haley Williams and how she even compares to some other contemporaries who uh, followed a similar route in terms of uh, fronting commercially viable bands and critical bands and then going off and kind of doing their own thing so Uh, Once again, this has been the Work Tape Podcast. It's your boy, Money Mitchell. We got Isaac Ruben Grover forever. Catch you later.